0: for the week of August 7th. This is episode number 72. Shelf Games is Lightheart, a lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm your host, John, and joining me this week uh, is Chisulo. Hi. Hi. And Ted. Hello. How you guys doing today? What's been, what's been going on
1: this uh, August week for you fellows? I don't even know. I'm too tired right now to think about what's going on in my life. Chisulo, <laughs> what about you?
2: Uh, I've been trying this thing called the Pomodoro Technique. I think I am pronouncing that right. It's basically you set a timer for 25 minutes and then you just do the thing you've been avoiding for 25 minutes. Okay. Ooh. And how how are you finding that? Are you you being more productive with your time? I am because I also, like I found it on Reddit. Someone was talking about it on Reddit and they had created uh, Google Sheets for it. And so um, I've been tracking how many times a day. I'll do it multiple times a day. Like I won't necessarily do like two hours straight, but I'll do 25 minutes and I'll do something else. And then I'll do another 25 minutes on so and forth. And I just keep track of how often I've done it. And I'm noticing that I'm putting in like an hour and a half, two hours of productive time, which is more than I was doing before. That's for sure.
0: Right, right. That's really interesting. I always find <laughs> you are my one friend who is just like, Hey, I'm trying this and I'm trying that. And I'm going to try lucid dreaming. I'm going to try meditating. Yeah. And, and yeah. I always find you're, 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 Trying to come up with new ways to make use of your time, or be more mindful,
2: or or what have you. Absolutely, I just, I mean, I've lived my, you live your life a certain way for so long that you get into habits, and you're like, I haven't done anything new in a while. Mm-hmm. Let me try something else.
1: Yeah, cool, cool. What's that called? Pumodora effect or Pum-
2: Pomodora, p o m o d o r o.
1: Okay. All right. cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah,
0: I haven't really done much this week because the uh, Dota Two International has finally started, so. It's uh, If you're listening to this on Monday, the main event will be starting now, but uh, the group stage is just finished up, so literally the last four days has just been me sitting in my apartment watching fucking Dota. Um, A lot of interesting games. Uh, I think the main event is
1: going to be really cool, but I'm going to stop talking about it because people don't want to hear about Dota. Um, There was a a point yesterday when I was watching your stream and it hit me. I'm like, I'm watching john watch a stream of <laughs> someone else playing a game i'm like this is getting too deep i need to leave <laughs> yeah we did
0: stream uh or i did stream us watching it and uh had some people in you know discord with me because i thought it would it would be beneficial to like uh you know try and like explain things for for folks that maybe don't necessarily watch it or have uh, less of an understanding of, of some concepts and I think some people found that helpful. Um, So, like, you know, something came up and they'd be like, what's this? I could just quickly explain it. Um, Yeah. And I'm hoping that that the newcomer stream that they're going to be having next week will – because they didn't have it for the group stages, but they're going to have it for the main event. So, I'm hoping that newcomer Mm -hmm. stream is able to make the game and watching it that much more approachable. Um, Yeah. So, we'll we'll just have to kind of wait and see uh, what they have in store. Um, Okay, so do you guys want to jump into some of the news uh, that has been hitting the video game uh, space, just our our realm? Uh, Let's talk about the news, and then we'll get into some other stuff. So first things first, um, we've chatted on the show before about the troubled launch of Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, It definitely did not live up to the expectations of uh, fans of that series. And even uh, EA and Bioware seem to be well aware of that. Uh, I think a few months back, we talked about how some of the staff at um, EA Montreal had been, or sorry, Bioware Montreal had been shifted onto other projects, uh, some helping out with uh, what will become Anthem, some helping out with Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and just this last week, uh, electronics, Electronic Arts Announced the final nail nail in the coffin, and they have, uh, in essence, shuttered Bioware Montreal and have moved most of that the the remaining staff over to Motive Studios. Um, So EA is quoted as saying, "Quote more than ever, we're driving collaboration between studios on key projects." Um, So this is kind of kind of sad news, I think. and I think we knew this was coming because they had stopped supporting any future plans for single-player DLC of the game. And mm-hmm. in the past, Mass Effect has done a lot of that. Uh, I think they only had a small team still uh, doing updates for multiplayer. So I don't even know if they're going to be supporting multiplayer going forward. Um, so what did you two think of that news? What do you think about EA shuttering? um bioware montreal and kind of moving those people onto other projects just because andromeda apparently did not live up to
1: expectations it's a bummer that sucks uh no i just think it's like they're kind of sweeping it under the rug like they know it was a huge failure and uh they're just trying to like hope that people kind of forget that it ever happened um my biggest worry is that like moving forward if they make well probably when they make the next mass effect game i hope it's they kind of use this as a learning experience or just kind of like, okay, let's not make it this, like let's actually make it a really cool game. Cause I love like the, the original trilogy. Like it was so much fun. Yeah. And I I think one of the big problems with
0: Andromeda and is, was uh, uh, Jason, uh, Jason Schreier or Rakitaku did a great piece where he was able to talk to a lot of people off the record, about what went wrong there. And it sounded like there was, you know, just a lot of trouble with development in terms of they were using new tools and new platforms and the publisher Basically said the game has to be out this at this point of the year, and so they kind of had to rush things out the door. So a lot of things were janky and broken when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. So to your point about them kind of learning from this experience, like I, I hope the big takeaway is just like, you know, yes, you have, uh, you know, quarterly earnings that you want to hit and certain um, uh, projected sales and whatnot, but like if you don't give your developers time, they're going to put out fucking lackluster products.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I agreed.
2: I would love to see Mass Effect made by CD Projekt Red, the makers of The Witcher.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Minus, that would I, be except, insane. except, I don't know if I want the movement that The Witcher has in Mass Effect. Mm. Just walking around is more yeah. hassle than it should but be. But in terms that of game. like writing
0: and storytelling,
2: yes, that's what I meant. That I think would be really interesting to see. It'd be interesting, but it'll never happen, unfortunately. Well, what's that thing they're doing? Cyberpunk game they're doing. What's it called? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Oh, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. That will probably be. I'm curious to see what that is. I mean, I know this is not Bioware or Mass Effect, but that's what I thought of when
1: we started talking about this. Yeah, for sure. I can't remember. Was was Andromeda like pushed back at all, or was it like this is the date release? I, I think it was delayed by a few months.
0: Um, but again, it seems like that game just was not given anywhere near near enough time and probably not enough resources to to do yeah. what they had to do. Mm. Um. So, so that's. So that's kind of sad, um, but hopefully people land on their feet. And it sounds like they're kind of being just moved to other studios and kept within the EA family, Um, such as life in game development. It seems these days.
2: Do you know where this new studio is uh, headquartered or located? Uh, Motive is also in Montreal. Okay, that's good. I just just like keeping uh, things in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And we'll actually talk more about that later in the show. Uh, But next up, uh, for those of you that are big fans of Stardew Valley uh the publisher chucklefish have announced that the multiplayer should be hitting that game by the end of the year um and they say that it should be ready to launch uh by early 2018 uh properly um so so yeah so i'm guessing they'll pro- probably try and implement it into the game early maybe in like an early access or test servers um, by the end of the year and then have it ready to go by the start of next um so, it sounds like uh, the multiplayer in Stardew Valley, uh, it's not going to require dedicated servers, and it'll use Steam invitations uh, to arrange, uh, you know, having bringing other people onto your farm. Um, you can marry other players if you want. Uh, it sounds like a lot of the things that, that players have been asking for. And it sounds like when you start the game, uh, you'll have, like, three little huts on your farm, and your friends can, like, you know, co- cohabitate on, on your farm in these little huts and still, like, work and, and do all this kind of stuff. and help you mine resources and 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 whatever else um so this is uh an interesting addition there's already like a player made mod that has multiplayer support but it's obviously kind of janky and uh not officially supported um they haven't really cleared up about like how it's going to work so i don't know if like your friends can play when you're not playing like i don't know if they can go to your farm when Mm -hmm. you're not there and like advance time Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i'm not entirely sure how that's going to work um, but anyway, it's just a just a quick little thing. So if you're you're a fan of Stardew and you've wanted multiplayer, you want to show off your farm to your friends. Uh, that should be coming um, by the end of the year, hopefully. Sweet. Uh, another quick announcement: Overwatch is bringing back its summer event. So last year they had like an Olympics themed summer event. Uh, what were the Olympics last year? It Was in uh, Brazil. Was it Brazil? Oh yes, it was. Um, so they're bringing back that summer event, they're bringing back some of the cosmetic items that were limited to that event last summer, so you have not been able to get them again since, so I think some players will be happy about being able to jump in on stuff that they've missed. Uh, plus their multiplayer mode, uh, Lucio Ball, where everyone plays as Lucio and you just like kind of play a weird Rocket League type <laughs> thing, but with Lucio's powers. It's so much fun though. Um, so that's going to be coming back as well. Um, I don't know. Uh, So, Ted, I kind of missed the summer event because I wasn't playing Overwatch at the time. But uh, did you get a
1: chance to check it out last year? Yeah, like I didn't get any of the skins or anything, but I just played Lucio Ball once or twice. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of funny. There there was like a weird glitch where you could somehow spawn as a Reaper when everyone else was Lucio. And then the Reaper would just run around and murder everyone. And just, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. the few games that I played that happened once. Uh, So maybe that'll be fixed. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but other than that, no, it's it's cool. They're kind of, and they're also uh, making some of the drops cheaper or something, right? It, like it sounds the like they are, yeah. And you can use like in-game credits to um to unlock some of them.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so it's interesting that they you know developers will be like, hey, this is a, a limited time item, and you will never be able to get it again. But yeah. they might bring it back later down the
1: road. So <laughs> they probably will.
0: Yeah. Uh, so again, just if you're uh, an Overwatch fan, that uh, that event is going to be coming up quick. Uh, let's quickly talk about Valve. Um, they just uh, unveiled some of their uh, user numbers um, and game sales by, by specific regions. Um, so these come to us from a gaming conference in Seattle just this last week called uh, the Casual Connect Conference. And yeah, so, so they, they dropped some really interesting figures here. And I'm, and I'm pulling this from an article on GeekWire uh, by Taylor uh, Soper. Steam now says that they – or Valve now says that on Steam – they have 67 million monthly active players. Um, so just for context, that's, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft says that they have 53 million uh, active players on Xbox Live in, in their last quarter. Um, Steam also has 33 million daily active players. Um, and Valve reported uh, 125 million total active lifetime users last year. Um, and uh, sort of one sign of growth here is that Steam is averaging 14 million concurrent users per day at its peak, and which is up from 8.4 million in 2015. <laughs> um, so Crazy. they also say there have been 27 million first-time purchasers. So basically, you have to create a Steam account and, and either bought a game or, or, or uh, have a transaction in a free-to-play game uh, since January of uh, 2016. So that, that's quite a number of people flocking to that PC platform. Um, so what did you folks think about some of those numbers and
1: just the growth of Steam in general? That's a pretty intense uh, number. Um, I'm trying to think like why, is it because Steam was one of the first of its kind for PC gaming? Is, like, is that why it's so successful? Or yeah, is it just like and the- I mean,
0: a lot of people have sort of uh, critiqued Steam for having almost like a stranglehold on PC on the PC marketplace like that they're almost like this monopoly i mean we we have other options now like uh ea origin and microsoft is doing its own thing uh you yeah. have good, good old games and and other platforms that are that are trying to carve a chunk of the pc pie but steam has just been like so dominant Crushing in it. that like yeah. uh if you want to get your game in front of people uh steam is definitely the place to do it and the, and the other thing that that they talk about in this presentation <clears throat> excuse me is that um <clears throat> games are kind of uh presented to players based on their past playing experiences, the things that their friends are playing along with uh you know just so some of their own internal metrics. So so like a company cannot pay to advertise a game on Steam. Mm. Right? They can just publish it on Steam and Steam can um decide to sort of uh uh surface it to users based on perhaps some of their past uh you know games that they played or they can be like hey this is what's new this week. But a game uh will not keep showing up in your feed because a publisher has paid millions of dollars for it to show up there
3: right really Mm.
1: interesting that's surprising that and just like the the sheer number of games available on steam and just the you know it's very conducive to new developers or small developers to put their games up there and Mm. so there's a lot of variety as well so maybe i don't know but yeah like that's crazy is it 67 million per month uh yes, monthly active 67 million. So that's 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 that's
0: a good chunk of the population. Uh, it just is. So what, what did you think about some of these uh, some of these numbers?
2: I'm just wondering what is causing this because you said 2015 they only had eight point five or something like that eight point five million and then up to 14 million in terms of daily users. Mm-hmm. Sorry that that was that was peak uh,
0: peak concurrent users per day.
2: Right, and so I'm just. And you said 27 million new purchases. How was that for, like, per per month? This uh, month, sorry,
0: they had uh, 27 million first-time purchasers since uh, January of 2016. So essentially, they, they they've grown by new users at the rate of 1.5 million a month.
2: Yeah, so I'm wondering if people are building new PCs or just buying new PCs or just what is changing. That is causing this influx of people. I'm happy for it. I'm just curious. I just have no idea. Yeah. So, so they're seeing a lot of growth worldwide,
0: but they're also seeing a lot of growth in Asia, which has typically mm. not been—I uh, don't want to say a fan of Steam, but Steam has been sort of a smaller platform there. Um, yeah. So they're saying that uh, growth in Asia is up about 17%, uh, mostly uh, because of users in Korea, China, and Japan. Um, so, so it's interesting to see Steam kind of uh, working its way into other markets.
2: Yeah. It's impressive. Good for them. I mean, again, like you said, competition is good for everyone. So, I would like to see uh, one of these other platforms or multiple pl- other platforms succeeding, pushing Steam to be better. Because if mm. they get complacent because they're at the top of the hill, then it's just not good for anyone because they'll become lazy. Because Steam is, I love Steam, but it's not perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. C- curation is a problem. I see games every day that I don't care about. Yeah, which I mean, is there's just so much. There's just so much there. It's like the App Store. When the App Store was for it was new, it seemed a lot more exciting. And now the App Store is a mess mm-hmm. on phones. It's just so much trashware shovelware shovelware Yeah, and steam very much feels the
0: same way uh i think from leaked reports and stuff like that and leaked presentations it sounds like they're trying to work on that that problem and trying to figure out how to better surface things to users that they actually want to see instead of Mm -hmm. you know like you said all this shovelware or just you know games that you don't
2: necessarily or games that don't necessarily interest you Mm -hmm. steam is definitely my video game hub on my computer because i do have gog games gog games i have windows games i have blizzard games Mm. but i launch every one of them from steam
0: yeah yeah i I I, I do the same thing i I link everything there yeah uh just makes things easy yes let's talk about uh battlegrounds speaking of uh successful things on pc and uh we talked last week about how some people were complaining about the paid cosmetics that uh battlegrounds was introducing And, uh, so player unknown was kind of apologized saying like, Hey, sorry that we weren't necessarily entirely clear on, uh, you know, in communicating what we wanted to do here. Um, but he also went on to explain that, uh, yeah, I'll just quote him here. Quote, the idea of testing prior to full implementation is at the heart of adding every new game feature, uh, in our game. And this includes the Crate and Key system, which we believe will serve as the foundation of a healthy economy after launch. Um, he also said that he, you know, he's aware of player concerns and they are quote, uh, or that that testing is quote necessary at the stage and ultimately beneficial for the game. Uh, but he, you know, he says our messaging wasn't very clear, so I extend my apologies. Uh, blah 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 blah. Um, I don't know. Well, what do you, uh, Ted, I know you're a big PUBG fan. What do you think about uh, player unknown's sort of apology here and and his idea that like testing. Crates and keys is kind of part of the whole
1: alpha process for PUBG. yeah Um I don't know. I guess like that makes sense. You want to you want to test every aspect of your game. But again, and I'd mentioned this before, um in an earlier podcast, you know, we were talking about the news was he doesn't want to release any in-game economics until the full game is released. They're out of mm-hmm. alpha and then next thing is like there's now crates and keys and all these things happening. Um I mean, whatever. It's not like that kind of system doesn't bother me that much because I don't like I don't I don't spend a lot of money. I don't spend a lot of of my time or or or, you know, I don't invest much energy into crates and cosmetics. Mm. Like, I don't give a shit. Um, But a lot of people are getting upset about it. And uh, I don't know. And I don't even know if this kind of thing needs testing. Like, it's a very tried and true thing. If you look at Counter-Strike or Dota or like in Team Fortress 2, like it's just you know it's gonna work. Yeah. But I mean, and especially with a game as popular and as growing as as Battlegrounds, like, of course it's gonna be popular, of course people are gonna buy these cosmetics and you're gonna make a shit ton of cash, so I don't know. I guess he's just kinda going back on, he's trying to damage control a bit, but I don't think it was really a, I don't think they needed to test anything, I think it was just a
0: And again, I think a concern that a lot of people have is uh, sort of like what happened with Counter-Strike Go and sort of the uh, skin gambling market that kind of uh, arose around that, you know, um and and some I think uh, it was estimated that like that market for cosmetic gambling uh generated like seven billion dollars.
3: Mm-hmm. What?
0: Yeah, yeah over the course of its lifetime. Um so what? so <laughs> yeah. That's so- the GDP of a small country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I don't know if something similar will happen with with PUBG, or perhaps you know they're testing things out to see if they can control it a little bit better, and and per, and maybe per uh, perhaps uh, prevent some of that uh, illegal gambling um, on the back right. end. But uh, who knows? We'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, but uh, the one thing I will say is I appreciate that player unknown, uh, Brendan Green, and his team are being very um, transparent you know they they're being very communicative with their community it seems so far um so even when uh a controversy arises they they try to address it right they they don't yeah. just try and stonewall the community um so uh Chisulo, last week you actually mentioned uh a bit of a stream sniping co- uh, controversy in the PUBG community where yeah. uh and of course for those that don't know stream sniping is where you see a popular broadcaster playing a video game and you purposely try to uh, queue at the same time or get on the, server the same server as them or compete against them so that you can uh, harass them or troll them, uh, basically try and ruin their game experience um, for your own uh, sick pleasure. Um, <laughs> so uh, there was a bit of a controversy, like you mentioned, with uh, stream sniping where uh, a player was banned for uh, apparently stream sniping uh, some of the... Uh, some of the larger um pubg streamers um and then there was a bit of an outcry saying like hey how can you prove this um there's no way that you could have known about this okay so one of the uh, community managers uh on the uh pubg team uh addressed this controversy uh because again a lot of a lot of people in the community are saying like hey you can't prove stream sniping how why would you go and ban this player um especially because you know these popular streamers with these massive audience." They get killed on what they think. Like, I think, Ted, you even brought it up. It's just like, if a popular streamer gets killed, all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, that person stream sniped me. That's the only way I I could have gotten killed there. Um, So how do you balance that versus uh, banning someone for an offense that is seemingly difficult to prove? And one of the community managers over at PUBG basically said that they're working with the engineering team to, quote, effectively address this issue that could ruin anyone's experience in the game. And they're trying to design new systems to do that. And uh, again, Brendan Green, player unknown, uh, took a bit of a firmer stance, and again, I'll just quote him here. He says, quote, I've seen the data the community team looked at before issuing the ban, and the ban was indeed justified. Uh, the tracking data shows that the player in question tried to join the same lobby as their target multiple times. While we understand we cannot prove that this player was watching the target's broadcast, we see no other reason why they would consistently attempt to be in the same lobby as someone who is broadcasting live other than to have an advantage in the game. Um, so, again, I think the community is pretty split on this in, in terms of, um, you know, the, the person who, quote, uh, you know, allegedly streams night, uh, the broadcaster that accused them of this and the way that uh, player unknown reacted to this. Um, so, so, again, it's interesting that um, their team is trying to set the rules for what they want. We talked a couple weeks back earlier uh, about how they're very upfront about how they view threats of violence within their community and about people breaking their rules. So it, it seems like they're, I don't want to say they're off to a rocky start, but it seems like the player unknown and his team are consistently butting heads with the community over what is and isn't acceptable within the game and within their community. Um, yeah. So Jasula, what do you think about that so far?
2: It's going to be tough for them to figure out how to appease the people watching. I think I heard someone say that uh, this could be avoided if streamers put a delay on their feed, but I know that that has other issues in terms mm-hmm. of chatting with your community or something like that. I'm not right. too sure. Yep. So I don't know how to fix this because I know nothing about <laughs> the mechanics. Like, how do you prove that someone's watching someone else play?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, and again the, uh, Green basically said, like, you know, the only reason they they issued the ban is is it because it looked like this player was con- continually trying to join the same server. At the same time yeah. um and that, and you know they think the only reason that they would want to do that is to um uh you know take advantage of that or, or harass the the broadcaster uh ted what do you think
1: yeah i mean like brennan green said I, it's some pretty damning data when you see someone consistently trying to join um a certain game just to be with a streamer um but, you know, it is tough to have concrete evidence. Um, I think this is, again, in the testing phase of the game where they're kind of figuring out their rules, their, their community. Um, but, yeah, I think in this instance, it's I'd say it's pretty clear that this guy was trying to stream snipe. And uh, I mean, like, you wouldn't know exactly the lobby, but you could definitely look at the streamers stream and see where his character is and what they look like. And where they're standing in the lobby and then you could go and find them and be like okay so i'm in the right one
3: Mm -hmm. so i think
1: that's probably what happened um but yeah no i don't know it's hard it's hard to really have good evidence on on something like stream sniping because you don't have any video you don't have anything other than just seeing one person kill you all the time like that's it Mm -hmm. um and it's it's hard to avoid that as well as a as a streamer because maybe you know the tactic at the time is for you to wait in one spot for a long period of time. So you could have all kinds of delay on your stream, but if you're there for five minutes, then sure. people are going to know that you're in that position and head there, that head that way. Anyways. Yeah,
0: and I think one of the, the critiques uh, leveled against uh, this broadcaster in question, I think it was summit one G um, was that uh, he didn't cover up the map. He didn't cover up his server information in, in the game. And that's something that's very easy to do um, when you're, when you're streaming like you can connect to a specific server or you just have to keep trying again i think you can just keep trying uh i'm not entirely sure how that works in PUBG, okay. um but again like i've i've seen other games where people will cover up their maps like uh Evo online uh when yeah. people are doing pvp or they're just like someplace in 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 the in the galaxy and they're just like i don't want people to know where i am so they can't like come and blow up my ship because i have a lot of expensive yeah. stuff in here uh mm-hmm. people will, will cover up the map and cover up like there's their, their location in the in the universe or whatever it is um so so again i think there are steps that people can can take to prevent this kind of stuff but at the same time with the massive audiences that some of these people have i think it's also very difficult to prevent um and that there will still be uh, you know a number of people out there that will try and uh grief them in one way or another uh, as best Mm -hmm. as they can um okay so let's maybe move away from that and uh talk uh quickly about sports because again I I feel bad cuz sometimes we, we don't talk about sports enough on on the <laughs> on the show um so NBA Live uh is going to be putting out its next iteration NBA Live 18 um and the WNBA is going to be making its very first appearance um in a video game in NBA Live 18 so EA Sports announced that just this last week um so I don't think it's this is going to be part of the like story portion of the game um, or like the career mode. I think this is just going to be part of like the, the play now menu, um, but you can still use them offline or online. Um, and, you know, so they, they were tr- treating um, the WNBA, I think as seriously as they are uh, the NBA. So they brought in a lot of the athletes for head scans They're So that's an ongoing process trying to bring in those, those women and, and get them scanned into the game. Um, But it's going to include the entirety of the WNBA, and um, it sounds like they might be making an appearance in, like, the streets mode um, that they have uh, in the game as well. Um, So, Trisola, do you have any familiarity with uh, the NBA games? I
2: know you're a big NBA fan, but do you play those NBA games? I haven't played an NBA game in a while. Um, I think I'm going to buy one soon, because 2K18 is coming out soon, so 2K17 should be cheaper. Somewhat soon, but I mean, they, they've stripped down a lot of the games from what I've heard. A lot of the modes that were in there before and are not quite as good as they used to be. And some stuff is behind a paywall, which is dumb, whatever. Uh, it's kind of cool that they're putting WNBA players in the game because that's really good because the WNBA is growing in popularity. Mm-hmm. And um, it's good to see them in a game because I, I hate to say it, I never even considered that. Until I heard this. And
0: and if I'm Hmm. not mistaken, I think the WNBA is like the largest and most successful women's uh, sports league in the United States.
2: Yes, that is correct.
0: There is no larger female sports league. And also, it's important to note that this, uh, the appearance of the WNBA is going to be exclusive to NBA Live 18. So, they're not going to be appearing in any 2K games anytime soon.
2: Bummer. (laughs) That I did not know. Mm Because Live is
0: not good compared to 2k oh no it's it's not the it's not the good one it's not the good sports oh, one.
2: Oh you should see some of these face uh ugh, models they're That's really I was bad gonna say
1: uh, in the trailer for this it's like they looked very janky yeah yeah like they looked kind of messed up because i always I, I always i always forget like which is the better of
0: uh you know which is the better sports game from which uh you know developer in a given yeah. year because like even like the nhl games i'm like oh is it 2k that's making the good one or is it ea (laughs) i can never remember or is it is is fifa the good soccer one or is or is pro evolution the good one i don't know man mario galaxy i
3: think
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um it's a shame that it's not 2k because 2k definitely makes a better basketball game yeah but it's good for life for putting in the
3: work yeah for sure it's basically
2: in my mind it's like um marvel universe marvel cinematic universe has had the more successful movies, but DC had the good Wonder Woman movie, the good female lead, mm-hmm. and Marvel still has not done... I mean, Marvel did the thing with Black Widow where she's, her backstory was, oh, I can't have kids, I'm a monster. I'm like, ugh.
0: Yeah, that, they've, they've kind of ugh. dropped the ball a few times uh, handling some of their, their women characters to this point. Uh, but it sounds like they're, they're trying to improve on that. Like, they've got a Captain Marvel movie coming with um, Brie Larson as the lead, which I, I'm hoping will be uh, really good me too um but yeah uh good on ea for for including the wnba there i think that was something that a lot of fans were calling for um so it'll be interesting to see uh uh more women's teams uh implemented in in games uh in the future and i think they they added um women's soccer teams to fifa 16 um and, and they were again in fifa 17 um so so it's good to see them branching out and and uh, having, uh, more leagues. In their games uh, to sort of encompass the sport as a whole instead of just like
1: one specific aspect of it
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: have you guys played super mario strikers by the way (laughs) no i meant super mario strikers okay that joke makes way more sense just so you know it's really good
0: (laughs) (laughs) let's quickly talk about kickstarter and kickstarter has had a rough history with uh, video games i think there have only been like a handful of kickstarter games that have uh not just been successful, but have actually released. I should have prepared beforehand, but I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like some of the Kickstarter games that I really enjoyed. Um, FTL, I think it was a Kickstarter game, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think so. so. Lisa, one of my
1: favorite games, Kickstarter.
0: Uh, Kentucky Road Zero was another successful one, Strike Suit Zero. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, there, there have been a few, but I'm looking at this list of games that have been released on, uh, via Kickstarter. A lot of them I have not heard of. Some I have, and some have been... Fairly successful on, on uh, PC or on, on different uh, platforms
3: like uh, Risk of Rain. Um, Undertale? Was that Kickstarter? I think it was. Could be mistaken. Let me see if I can find it. Undertale. Undertale was Kickstarter, yeah.
0: Successfully. Oh. Um, so, so again, you know, uh, read-all only memories. But this list is very long and a lot of these neither, I've either never heard of or they have been disastrous. Remember the Ouya? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so the Ouya was a piece of video game hardware that was a bit of a disaster. Um, but a lot, I'm looking at this list, not funded, not funded. And the unreleased list, holy jumping, is long. And um, uh, another game that we're going to have to add to that list is Unsung Story uh, from Playdeck. Um, So Playdex says that Unsung Story Tales of the Guardians is no, uh, or rather that they are no longer involved with the game and they have handed that project off to Little Orbit. Um, So it was kind of pitched as a homage to Final Fantasy Tactics and those Tactics RPGs. Um, And they were kind of hoping to bring that game, um, um, they were hoping to, to sort of Capitalize on on the fans that wanted another game in in that in that genre uh, they announced this back in 2013 and they have still yet to uh, deliver on it but but again it sounds like they've had to abandon that project and had to move on to something else um they've been played with delays and changes in scope um, and have gone through really long periods of silence with their community um so I, I don't know I, like I saw this story I kind of wanted to just talk about like crowdfunding video games in general and like what Our thoughts were on that because again this kind of brings to mind a lot of those other disastrous kickstarters we hear about projects that get scrapped or people just run away with the money um or you know after years of silence devs come forward and be like hey we can't finish this game sorry um or we have things like star citizen which are being crowdfunded not necessarily through kickstarter but just seem to be growing in scope the more money that they get and keep delaying that project and Uh, you know, it seems like it's just never going to come out. Um, Mm -hmm. What do we think about um, this news that they're just like, hey, we can't deliver on this. We're going to give this game to someone else. And just what do we think about Kickstarter games and crowdfunding games in general?
1: There are like you named a a short list there, but a few of those games were really successful. And like I said, one of them, Lisa was one of my favorite games ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, you know, there is an upside to having like a Kickstarter funding um but like you said sometimes studios just run away sometimes they don't deliver sometimes they you know they just it just doesn't work out um and i'm trying to think of ways that they could like improve that system i don't know how though really like maybe like they they get uh some like they get you know parts of that money uh as they meet meet production goals or something like that or Mm -hmm. i don't know Yeah, and and on the other side of
0: that, you you have games that do get successfully crowdfunded and and are released, and then end up being a goddamn nightmare. And like people realize, oh, this isn't the thing that I wanted. Um, You know, people who were really nostalgic for 3D platformers of like the N64 and early PlayStation era really wanted Ukulele to be successful, and it came out and it had middling reviews, if not like terrible reviews. Um, Same thing with um, uh, Mighty Number Nine. Right, which was supposed to be the spiritual successor to Mega Man, and even had the developer of Mega Man behind it, and it it just, it sounded like not the thing that people wanted, you know? Um, Mm. So, Gisela, what are are some some of your thoughts here?
2: Uh, It seems like most of these games don't work out. (laughs) Very small percentage do, so uh, I'm happy for the ones that do succeed, and I wouldn't want Kickstarter to go away per se, Mm. but it would be nice if, I don't know how you put better controls on this so that Less people. I don't know how you put it in a way that more people succeed. Because right now it seems like anyone under their grandma can say, I want to make a game, <laughs> give a little, <laughs> put up a few pictures and say, like, give us money. Yeah, this and is be so like, a well, idea. Sorry, didn't work out. Mm. Peace. I don't know. It would be unfortunate. Was, no, what was that game called? The one with the planets, like a billion, trillion planets
3: no man's Sky. oh yeah
2: was that kickstarter i don't I think, think it was. so
0: no i don't think it was i think because i think it ended they up on with,
2: playstation they partnered with sony but did sony pick it up after a fact after the fact because i remember like what's that shenmue or whatever that game is that is technically a sony game but they were running a kickstarter you know what i'm talking about
0: yes yes they were crowdfunding shenmue shenmue 3
2: yeah Which is, so I just didn't know if No Man's Sky was something But again,
0: it seems silly because it sounded like they were kind of kickstarting to garner interest and to help sort of development. But like Sony was saying, they would still put money into that project. But like, if Sony actually believed that project would be successful, they would just fund it completely, you know? Yeah, they would need a kickstart. But No Man's Sky was not, in fact, kickstarted. It was uh, an indie developer and was eventually uh, PlayStation helped publish it. Um, They didn't necessarily help with development. But yeah, so so I think crowdfunding games is kind of I don't know. I think we're getting to a point now where people are less and less likely to crowdfund games and are a little bit more worried about it because we've seen so many projects fail. Um,
2: And not even just games, just like stuff. Kickstarter, period.
3: Mm.
2: There was someone (laughs) I can't remember. Man, I wish I had names for all these things I'm talking about. But I do remember someone was trying to make a system and then they basically kickstarted it, and then when they had to bring a prototype, it turned out that they just put a different game in the casing, a different system in the casing of their game. Oh, shit. I
0: remember this. What was that? It was like some sort of Atari box or something, or it was like a retro game console? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And then they opened it up and they realized, oh, this is just like a board for something else.
2: Yeah. They just put a different casing on it and be like, well, you know, like the idea is there. No, it's not. You didn't do
3: anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You literally just created a box. Um, so speaking of ideas that don't necessarily work out, um, did you folks hear about this land party that was supposed to happen on a cruise ship? Um, so this was called uh the Video Gamer Gauntlet Cruise. Um, and it was uh being uh put on uh or it was being sponsored by a betting site called Money Matches. Um so they're gonna have live gambling on friendly esports events. Um they were supposed to have like uh some guest DJs and like some actresses and and like they they had this one actress Alexandra Shipp who was in X-Men Apocalypse who was supposed to show up um <laughs> they had a few other personalities uh and stuff that were supposed to come um but uh I'm looking at this article from Waypoint uh by Will Pardon and he, and he basically compared it to Fire Festival but for video games um <laughs> so it sounds like the the uh, Curtis Smith, who is sort of the founder and CEO of Gamer Tech Events, who was putting this all together, um, it sounded like they didn't even even have the cruise ship, and when the cruise line was contacted to see if this event was actually happening, they had no knowledge of it. <laughs> uh, um, wow <laughs> so yeah, it just sounds like uh, a bit of a mess, um, and if you saw the trailer that they put out promoting this thing, it oh is God. like the most like 90s bullshit i've seen in a long time uh it was supposed to be sponsored by red bull red bull had no knowledge of the event either um oh my God. so what i don't did, know what the hell happened there what did you what did you two, uh think about this um when uh when you saw it people are
2: out here just scamming did they get to keep the money do people pay for this were their tickets sold That's so crazy. Sponsored by Red Bull. No cruise ship. I can kind of understand the idea if they thought, okay, if we garner enough interest, then a cruise ship will will agree Mm. to be partnered with this or something like that. But still, that's insane. I think that's even
0: crazy. Mm. Yeah. So, he put out this uh, statement, basically. uh, And uh, again, the the author here... um, uh, Parton basically says that it uh, manages to simultaneously confirm the accusations, defend his decisions, insist that the venture will set sail as plan, and offer a refund to anyone who wants one. Uh, but like what? you said, it just sounds like the one of the biggest scams. Yeah,
1: seriously.
3: Scams are getting so good.
1: <laughs> right? Also, why do they, like, I don't know, land parties are pretty tough to organize, never mind on a ship or... Yeah, I just feel like they're doing so many different wacky things. Like, oh, we're gonna build this land party on a on a crane and you know, <laughs> lean it off a off a building, and like, oh, it'd be so wacky. It's like just fucking have a land party at a building. All right? Yeah, but just
0: <laughs> the, like even the fact that they hadn't secured the ship yet, or any of the guests. Like a lot of the the guests and like the the actress that I mentioned, like none of them had heard of this. Um, yeah, it's weird. None of them had been invited to this.
2: This is a pure finesse, just pure scamming. Yeah. They should be brought up on fraud charges.
0: <laughs> um, and again, like you said, Ted, like how how do you su- successfully have a LAN on a cruise ship, you know, out at sea when you depend so readily on internet and broadcast and everything else? And this echoes a disastrous Dota Two uh, LAN that they tried to mm-hmm. have on a cruise ship last year. So this was the Nanyang uh, Dota Two Championships Cruise Cup Number One, uh, and they had this on the Sapphire Princess. Um, and the entire event fell apart uh, because the satellite internet was freaking terrible and like could barely do live video uh, for the event. Um, so <laughs> like, I don't know why people keep trying
1: to do this, but it sounds like uh, not a great idea. I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's happening so many times where people just, they're not cognizant of the limitations of Wi-Fi and, and just like, like even the, the Pokemon festival, like, The whole system crashed because Wi-Fi was shitty and it's like, yeah, obviously, like how is this not thought of? Yeah, and that data and cell service sucked. Um, So, I don't know. It's just a weird, weird thing going on.
0: Um, Okay, let's quickly uh, move away from that and let's now talk about something that comes up on the show every now and then and that is uh, video games and politics and how uh, current politics can affect video games. Um, and specifically how the current American administration's policies could adversely affect, um, the video game business in the United States. Um, you know, with the election of Donald Trump and his administration, they have, uh, been very America first in a lot of their policies and trying to, or at least they're saying they're trying to support American corporations, workers, and interests. Um, but over the last few months, It seems like a lot of their policies might, in fact, be doing the exact opposite. Um, So during a a panel recently, uh, this was the 2017 Games for Change Festival, Uh, there were some representatives from Electronic Arts and Take-Two Interactive, who are uh, some of the largest uh, publishers in the United States right now, and they were talking about um, how a lot of these current policies uh, are affecting their company's interests. Uh, So I think a few of the big things that they talked about, uh, uh, the first being like foreign talent, And how, um, you know, a lot of these organizations, a lot of these publishers and developers depend on getting the best that they can from abroad to work on the games that we love and the games that we enjoy. Um, So uh, just this last week, um, uh, the president backed a bill from two Republican senators that would cut legal immigration in half. um, And. Uh I'm pulling this from a polygon article by simit Sarkar um and it's entitled trump's policies are hurting the u s game industry
3: okay.
0: um, so you know people who support this bill are are kind of thinking that like, oh, you know this is good, it moves us towards a skill based immigration system, and you know that that could help video games because a lot a lot of times those publishers are trying to import people that are highly skilled, so theoretically they would be okay with that um uh, but also Trump signed an executive order in April. Uh, which is looking at the H-1B visa program, uh, which allows those companies to bring over this, those skilled workers. Um, <clears throat> so it sounds like uh, by reviewing uh, that program, it could uh, lead to further restrictions on on to whom and how those visas are issued. Um, and I'm going to quote Craig Hagen here, and he's the global head of government affairs at uh, Electronic Arts. And he says, quote, there is a constant shortage of qualified, high-skilled labor within our industry. Um, And he goes on to say that, um, you know, in larger companies like EA, they're shifting from, quote, traditional positions like software engineers and game designers to roles requiring higher-end skills, uh, like things uh, in advanced fields such as artificial intelligence and data analysis. And Alan Lewis, who is the vice president of corporate communications and public affairs at Take-Two. Uh, says immigration continues to be a significant issue for companies like ours in the industry at large um and he he notes here that uh immigrants are less interested in coming to the u.s to work because of the current political climate and companies are having more trouble keeping immigrants in the country um so let's let's just unpack that first what do we think about that and then we'll kind of get into some, some of some of the other details in this uh in this issue
1: yeah i mean one of the one of the comments on uh on that thread was someone someone saying they worked in, um, you know, various technology industries. Uh, and he was saying just like, overall, it's much easier and less stressful for them to work in something like automation or, yeah, like data analysis or something than it is to work on, you know, a high profile video game or at a game studio where you're crunching and you're not getting paid that well and you're not being compensated with time off or like anything like that as well as you would otherwise. Mm. Um, I wonder if that has a bit of an effect where people just don't want to go into that field because they know it's just going to be way more work for less money.
0: Yeah. Or or if they do still want to go into games, then they all, they, you know, not only do they have to worry about crunch and all that
1: other stuff that kind of comes with the territory, they have to worry about all this yeah. other stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm just wondering if that has any, any effect on it other than just, you know, obviously this like Trump's policies are very Limiting to people coming into the country and and things like that, but I don't know. I was just wondering about that.
2: Uh, it's really unfortunate because immigrating to another country is difficult already, mm. and it's really tough. And a lot of people, when they do immigrate, they're looking for better opportunities. And like you said, they're looking for skilled workers. And if you can't find them at home, you want to find them elsewhere. And if this makes it more difficult, then it's just a huge. It's just a huge hassle, an unnecessary hassle. Because I feel like a lot of the times. Donald Trump is just saying shit to say shit and he doesn't actually know, he doesn't actually think or know what the consequences are. He's not asking anyone. Cutting immigration in half is, that's massive. That's mm. huge. That's a huge number of people who won't be able to travel to work in the States. And I was going to say, we're not even talking about illegal immigration. No. It's illegal immigration. I have friends who work in the States who are Canadian or who go and fro from the States and they're concerned because they don't know how this is going to affect them. And this is not in the video game industry. This is just like I have a mm-hmm. doctor friends and lawyer friends and they're just not sure how it's going to work out for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and, and sort of speaking about how this affects Canada, um, it sounds like Canada is trying to actually take advantage of the turmoil within the United States in terms of uh, workers coming there uh, to take part in certain industries. Um, and Canadian developers are trying to take advantage of this and they're, they're stepping it, stepping up recruiting efforts, uh, not just, uh, for foreign workers, but for workers in the United States being like, Hey, you you have a visa there, but you know what, come and work in Canada. Cause we're not assholes about it. Um, <laughs> and ev- even the Canadian government is trying to be active as well. Um, and they've, uh, revised some of their policies, uh, to try and reduce the amount of time it takes to get foreign work permits. Um, uh, another issue here is, like, uh, with a lot of the isolationist rhetoric um, coming out of Trump and his administration, it, you know, it, it's putting the emphasis on we need to, we need jobs for Americans. We need to get Americans the jobs that they need. But uh, because of some of the cuts that they're proposing to the uh, American education system, like, um... Right now, uh, you know, these might not necessarily pass Congress, but the the budget that they have proposed calls for spending cuts of $9.2 billion uh, across uh, kindergarten to grade 12 schools and even in higher education. And if all of a sudden you're cutting funding to your education, that cuts into STEM education, so science, technology, engineering, math, and that is going to like severely hamper the uh or or rather severely reduce the pool of candidates that developers are going to want to draw from because if you don't Mm -hmm. have a populace that is educated in the skills that you need to develop the software and and the hardware and the games that you want in the future where are you going to get those people if all of a sudden your government is saying you need to hire locally right and i think that's one Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why um you know uh, developers and publishers look abroad is because they want the best candidates right and they want the the best people to help them help them on their projects and if the government is saying well we don't want you to hire abroad then the least that they could do is try and uh bolster the education systems in your own country
1: but if they're also hamstringing that at the same fucking time like what what are you what are they even doing yeah, yeah you know? i don't know what the plan is here like it's just they're shooting themselves in, in both feet mm-hmm. like what is your alternative here um I think it's kind of cool that Canada is taking advantage of that.
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's good for us, <laughs> but
1: you know, it's, it's kind of not great for the North American
0: industry as a whole.
1: No, I, yeah, I, I know. I'm not saying this is like the best situation. I'm just saying there's, there's at least one nice thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, this administration has made weird promises for, <sighs> I don't know, for no reason. And it's fucking them over.
2: It's just not, it's not good. I, as an immigrant myself, I just feel it's such a hassle. It's such a, it's unfortunate. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like seeing this, especially because a lot of it just comes from a place of xenophobia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to actual any real threats to whatever they think they're getting attacked from.
1: It's nonsense. Just like, I don't know. This is not like a random story, but a little bit. Um, my grandparents used to live in Palm Springs for half the year. And they were. They would go and do that, um and a lot of like when I would go visit them, a lot of the people that live there are you know a rich white you know upper class kind of kind of group, and they always say like oh we need to get like we need to fix the illegal immigrant situation we need to like we need to get them out of here and then you look around and a lot of the people working there are are immigrants and and people that have you know found a better life for themselves in the states and they just like yeah. completely don't see the hypocrisy in what they're talking about mm-hmm. and i don't know i think like this these policies just kind of pander to that weird outcry of like justilo said xenophobia and just like they they don't know what they want really yeah, because when you
0: look at actual metrics and um it it proves the exact opposite of what a lot of the, what of a lot of people fear um like you know especially you know with um uh, a lot of debates about refugees um, and bringing refugees over to uh, North America and in certain parts of europe there again there's a lot of xenophobia there's a lot of closed mindedness and yeah. what uh, research has found is that bringing refugees into other nations more often than, than not like positively affects uh the economy and the GDP you have people going into jobs and you know uh, contributing to the economy and trying to make a better life for themselves so um, again a lot of that sort of closed-mindedness and that hateful rhetoric is coming from a, uh, an unfounded place and a place that isn't necessarily backed up by um by facts right yeah mm-hmm. um, another is- issue at hand here is that uh business in the United States it's expensive to do like game development in the United States is tough and especially uh when it comes to taxation and one of the reasons why we games Video game development has been so successful in Canada in the last 10 years because uh, a lot of our provincial governments are offering huge tax incentives and bonuses to developers to bring their business here. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I want to say Quebec or maybe Ontario have the best tax incentives right now with uh, British Columbia just behind them. And that's why we see so many big publishers, EA, Ubisoft setting up shop there and being like, okay, we're going to do business here because it it makes financial sense for us. And if Mm -hmm. they can do that and on top of that, not worry about not being able to get the staff that they need from other parts of the world, not having having to worry about, uh, you know, some of the immigration, um, uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? No, no, not just not having to worry about some of the, uh, policies of the government saying like no you can't hire these people or you can only hire x number of people it's it makes more business sense for for them to move their businesses uh elsewhere and i think this was something that we talked about shortly after trump was elected there there was a lot of fear in the industry about how this would affect business and it seems like a lot of these people um at major publishers um specifically these two folks um uh, Craig Hagen and um, Alan Lewis were, were talking about this at the um, Industry Insights panel at Games for Change. Uh, it seems like these fears are, are you know, very real and, and they're starting to sort of come to fruition. Um, so, I don't know. Do we have any any final thoughts on this and, and like, where this might be going? Not really. I don't.
2: No, no. <laughs> just hopefully it works out and people come to their senses. I don't have high <laughs> hopes,
1: but I'm. you can hope. A man can hope. How can they impeach Trump? Like, what do they have to do? (laughs) What do we have to do to make this happen?
2: (laughs) Uh, I'd be surprised if it happens because it's just, it takes years to,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. by the time they get around to impeaching him, it'll be a new election. I mean,
0: the the Russia thing has finally gone to, like, a grand jury, but at the same time, if you impeach him, the next person in line is Mike Pence, and do you want Mike Pence as the president? Because that Mm -hmm. (laughs) dude, I remember hearing something, like, along the lines of, like, Trump might be an idiot, but, like, Pence is, like, a true believer. like. If you yeah. have seen the shit yeah. that he has done in his own state as governor, it is like fucking backwards. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, he
2: can't, he won't eat dinner with women because Because <laughs> he's, because it's something about like his wife and being faithful to his wife or something, which is like... I mean, he, he wouldn't eat, eat dinner with a woman alone or something. Alone. But the thing is, the problem is you're in government. And you know what? Some people are going, some people that you have to do business with, governmental business with, will be women. And you can't have this whole... Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't. A woman. Oh, my God. She's going to take off her job? It's nonsense. What about lunch? <laughs> well, <laughs> lunch is a different more thing. more casual, right? <laughs> I don't even think... It's just... It's, it's a silly thing. I can understand where he's like, I, my wife, I don't want my wife to think that I'm out here fucking around, but it's work. That's fucking weird. Um, so, so, just a,
0: a very small handful of things that he did in Indiana as governor. Um, he signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws, uh, in the country. Um, he also signed a bill that made it okay for Indiana businesses to discriminate against LGBT customers based on religious freedom. Uh, he blocked the resettlement of Syrian refugees in Indiana and illegally tried to cut off federal aid to existing refugees. What a, what a great guy. Also signed a bill to reinstate mandatory minimum drug sentence because that's worked so well for the United States. (laughs) Um, but anyways, so yeah, impeaching Trump might, uh, might not, might not be the best thing right now.
3: Yeah.
0: I take it back out of the frying pan into the fire and all that, all that jazz. Let's move away from the news, away from all that serious, heavy stuff. And let's talk about video games, the stuff that we love and maybe some of the video games that we are playing. Uh, so, Jasil, have you been playing anything? Have you been checking out anything new? Or maybe you got
2: something old that you want to talk about? Um, I am actually having some issues with, uh, The Witcher. Oh, really? Yeah, um, there's a there's a side quest in The Witcher, the Warbling Warbling Warbling. I don't know how to pronounce that word. The Warbling Knight, and basically, once you start that quest, your lock on targeting just breaks, and you can't tar. I can't lock on a target onto any enemies. Really, which is kind of a hassle because again, the, the Witcher's movement and combat is not the best I've ever seen. So, I went online trying to figure out if I can find a solution, and this is a problem that has existed since, like, early 2016, and there's still no fix
3: for it. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Which is
2: really disappointing. So, I haven't played it a lot recently because it's kind of frustrating to not be able to lock onto targets, especially especially when you're doing, like, little brawls, like, little fights. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, like, a save file from before that mission? I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back. <laughs>
3: because the thing is, it,
2: uh, the, people said that, like, it just came back randomly for some people. Yeah. And so, I'm just like, I'm just not going to go back and try and, like, fix it because I think I, think I can live with it. I'm just, it's just frustrating.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's unfortunate. And that's in the Blood and Wine DLC? Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: And so,
2: that's unfortunate. So other than that, I've been watching a lot of uh XCOM. Mm-hmm. Some someone playing XCOM uh Long War and it's really interesting. I like watching it. I look when I look at the guy playing person I'm playing, he's really good. Like he is really good and he makes me realize i like, I love XCOM, but I'm terrible at it. Who who is it that you've been watching? Oh, um, I'd have to look it up. Just, I can't pronounce his name because it's just a bunch of X's and Y's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy XCOM as well. Especially I, I think there's a lot of hype around XCOM right now because the DLC is gonna be coming out later this summer.
2: Right, which is kind of why I started rewatching. I'm like, I haven't seen XCOM played in a while. Mm. And I know I like it, but seeing this person play and they just know exactly what to do to just like the situations they get in. Okay. Uh the guy's name is spelled X W Y N N S. So however <laughs> the fuck you pronounce that. <laughs> Swins? Swins? <laughs> yeah. Either way, he's really good at it. He he can speed through a map at a pace like you know how we have a problem with uh the timer in XCOM sometimes being like, You want me to beat this mission in eight turns? Right. Like, that's impossible. Yeah. He can do it with turns to spare. I'm like, how is he doing this? <laughs> he just understands so much about what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really interesting to watch. So I like watching him play, and whenever a character dies, he does a like a little montage of their highlights in like <laughs> With soft music in the background, which always makes me <laughs> laugh.
0: It's funny how attached you get to your characters in in that game. Yeah. Um, so, so are you are you going to be picking up the DLC when it comes out, or are you planning on replaying it anytime soon?
2: I'll most certainly pick up the DLC. Probably n- not right away because I still haven't played Long War, right. which is like, which is um, I wanted to like I played vanilla version of it with mods, but just straight vanilla. And then I wanted to watch someone play Long War to see what the differences are, because there are a shit ton of differences Mm. in Long War. And so, I got stuck watching this guy play, and I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) Because I feel like Long War is
0: just, it's a whole other beast. It it almost fundamentally changes the game, because it's more difficult, there are a lot more systems, it's just very intricate. So many
2: more systems, more weapons, more uh, soldier classes, more enemy classes, just different types of missions, just it's a different game. Mm -hmm. It's like,
1: uh, XCOM 2.5 basically. Right, right. right. is each mission uh like randomized?
2: Uh the, there's different types of missions but you just don't know what map you're going to get and you don't know necessarily which kind of enemies you're going to see.
0: Right. Yeah, so so oh, okay. in that essence it's it's somewhat kind of randomly ra- generated randomized. maps and stuff, yes. yeah.
2: Oh, so wow. there'll be like an escort mission and you you'll know like okay I'm in a city but like you don't necessarily know the layout of the city because, like John said, it, the the buildings will be randomized and moved around, and that kind of I thing. I think there's only a
0: handful of like main story missions that are the same every time.
3: Yeah, hmm. but all in all, love that game. Mm-hmm. Love watching that game. Uh, Ted, what about you? What uh, what are you playing? Um, not
1: anything crazy lately. Just the new uh, Battlegrounds first person mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of getting that. Like when I first started playing Battlegrounds, you'd just be like so like anxious and you wouldn't know what's around you and you'd just be like, oh my God. Um, it kind of feels like that again. I don't know why, but like first person mode just makes it so much more intense. Mm. Um I don't know. Maybe it's just like you feel more in the action. You can't look around. You can't like third person view anyone. Like it's all your line of sight. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh it's I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Like if I'm gonna keep playing it, but I just know that it's pretty exhilarating in in some fashion.
2: Is it a first person server as in there's no one else who's playing in third person?
1: Yeah. So everyone in the server has to play first person mode.
2: Okay. That's good.
1: Um, so you can't like be laying underneath like a rock and then third personing over it and seeing, so it just like changes the entire game almost. Mm. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's been fun so far. I'm still going to try it out a little bit longer, but nice. Um, yeah, yeah. You'll have to let us know sort of like what your final thoughts
0: are on, on third or on first person mode. Cause I know that's a, uh, a change that the community has been like really clamoring for for quite some time, yeah. Um, so I actually uh played a new video game yesterday, uh, a game that came out this week, and I know what you're saying at home, like John, you're betraying the essence of the show. This is shelved Games, this isn't the new games podcast. Um, but I actually played Tacoma from uh Fulbright, uh, so these are the folks behind uh, Gone Home which was uh, quite the critical darling and, and a success uh, a few years ago. Um, very, you know, often pejoratively called uh, walking simulators. That's sort of their, their style of game where uh, they tell narrative focused stories. Um, and, you know, they're much more concerned about narrative and character. Um, <clears throat> and I, I really loved gone home. I, when I, when I played it, I found it very emotionally moving and affecting. And I was, just on board with whatever they had planned for the future um and so so i was I was pretty excited about uh Tacoma. I try not to have like too high hopes or expectations um and from everything that I heard, it was a very different game um and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It took me maybe three hours to get through um tells the story of someone who basically goes to the space station uh that's been abandoned and you're trying to find out what happened and you do so by interacting with the uh, the the station's AI and the recordings of the staff on the on the ship and they're kind of recorded in AR so you'll get to like a room and uh you'll be able to play out a scene and you basically see these AR wireframe models of the characters mm. um so you're kind of watching these models move through Uh, And sort of act out these scenes and like the, the voice work is fantastic. The, the writing and dialogue is, is terrific. Um, I think one of the strengths of Fulbright is their ability to write believable characters and make a space feel like it's been lived in. It like actually feels like people inhabit this space. Um, And, and I think they're also really good at avoiding stereotypes and tropes within their characters as well. So you'll look at a character at face value, and you'd be like, "Oh, this is this type of character." And then the more you learn about them, and the more you find out, you're just like, "Oh no!" Like i I have I've I've had my expectations very quickly changed or shattered. Um, Hmm. So again, a very different story from what they told in Gone Whole uh, in in Gone Home, uh, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, I thought, um, again, I don't want to spoil too too much because again, it, it the main draw of this is the narrative and the story um i don't know what i can say to sort of entice people but i think uh it kind of upsets a lot of tropes i think um in terms of like this the sci-fi space and um the things that they are doing there um and and it's funny because a lot of games that i've been playing recently i'm like i i just want to skip all the extra shit i don't want to read diaries i don't want to like Look at your emails, I just want to skip through and I want to like get to the actual game and like get through it as quickly as I can uh but it so it was nice to have a game like this where it kind of forces you to take it slowly, and I found the experience was that much better because I took the time to explore and to like go go rooting through someone's drawers and find a letter that they wrote or find uh, a thing that they painted and it and it made everything feel that much more relevant and you'll when you see some of these scenes play out usually there are multiple people having different conversations so you'll like have to rewind things and play things again so you can listen to like two people talking and kind of follow them through the scene and you can rewind the scene to the beginning and then follow a different set of people and then that will give the larger scene that much more context and you might think about things really differently um Hmm. so i found that really really fucking cool um but yeah, Tacoma from uh Fulbright. It's uh, I want to say like twenty, twenty-five bucks Canadian. Um, you know, again, it's only three hours, but it's kind of the same for uh for a movie ticket these days. So uh I highly recommend it. Right on. Okay, so let's quickly make some recommendations outside of games. Uh what do you got for the folks at home this week?
2: Uh for this week, I'm going to recommend Netflix Netflix's Voltron. Mm-hmm. Uh it's in its third season. Um initially when I started watching it, season one, I thought it was kinda childish. But then they slowly started doing more adult things. Kinda like Star Wars Clone Wars when you first watch it, you're like, This is for kids, but then later on you're like, Ooh, they got some stuff in here hidden for us Les Adultes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh Voltron's the same. There's some things that are kind of like goofy in a kids way that you you can obviously tell mm-hmm. but again they're doing some things that are really interesting with the story like the way season 3 ended recontextualized the villain of the show in a way that makes him kind of a tragic person. Right. So I
1: like that. Cool. Uh Ted, what do you got to recommend? Uh I'm going to kind of break the rules a bit. It is kind of a game recommendation mm-hmm. um but the Humble Bundle this week uh it's available for 8 more days. I guess seven more days by the time you hear this uh it's the game maker bundle, right, so if you had any interest in ever making any games, um, there's an app on there, Gamemaker studio, which I think retails for like 200, 300 bucks um, essentially you could get for a dollar oh wow uh, yeah, and so yeah, it's just kind of like a worthy investment if you have any interest any passing interest in in game dev, um I paid the fifteen bucks because it came it comes with like a an iOS and Android and all these other exporters Mm -hmm. just in case, like, you know, if you make something and it actually turns out to be sweet, um, you know, you have $15 to spend on a, on the proper exporter instead of like the $400 that it usually costs. Right. Right. Yeah. So there you go.
0: Awesome. Uh, I think my recommendation is going to be really simple. Uh, just a little something you kind of mentioned early, uh, at the start of the show. Um, you kind of talked about like, mixing up your routine and finding things to kind of like help you center yourself. So my, my advice is going to be like break your routine when you can and, and try mm-hmm. and uh, allow yourself uh, some more perspective. Uh, I find that really helpful sometimes uh, whether it's a short trip somewhere or perhaps you focus on another project or, or whatever it is, you know, try and break out of that day to day mundane existence that, that you have built for yourself. Cause we all like have these uh, comfortable ruts that we fall into. And, and I find, mm-hmm. uh, breaking them from time to time, uh, allows better perspective and, um, allows us to perhaps think about, uh, certain avenues we may not have considered, uh, in the past or think about things a little bit differently. So yeah, maybe try that, maybe try some meditation, maybe try that. What was that thing that you suggested? Uh, Pomodoro technique. There you go. Pomodoro technique. Um, but yeah, uh, and I, I know I can be really guilty for falling into my ruts and, and just. Existing in my, in my little bubble here in my apartment, watching Dota games for fucking a week and a half straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be it for uh, this week, folks. Um, so, if you have any letters about uh, terrible cruise ship lands that you've been invited to, <laughs> you can send those to shelvegames at gmail.com. Uh, of course, you can find the podcast at shelvegames.com slash podcast. And we are also on the iTunes, Apple Podcasts store, Google Play. Uh, you can subscribe there, uh, for your platform of choice and leave us a little rating and review that really helps us out, helps uh, more people see the show. Uh, you know, give us the, give us those five stars, tell us what you think, tell us which host is, uh, the most handsome. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Shelf Games. I'm at John underscore tab. Find us on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Shelf Games. Uh, we also post the, the podcast on, on YouTube. Uh, so you can check that out there. Live streams are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shelf Games. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, Jisulo is a man of mystery, but Ted, where can people Uh find you on the
1: internet? Uh, My Twitch page, uh, twitch.tv slash Teddy Gage. I'm going to try and stream a little bit more. Like I said, I'll stream some of that first person PUBG for you folks. So come check it out. Awesome. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us today again,
0: folks. Uh, we, Oh, we're not gonna be back next week. Cause I'm going to be at the TI seven international Dota two championships in Seattle. Um, <laughs> so I will be there from Thursday until Sunday. So I plan on tweeting a lot. So follow me at John underscore tab. Uh, I'll be snapping a lot. Uh, I can't remember what my Snapchat is. Anyways, I'll put that on Twitter. Um, so if you want to be kept up to date with what's going on there at the event, um you can follow me on Twitter. Uh I'll maybe try and record something when I'm there. Um, maybe do a little post mortem. Um, uh, but if uh if not, we'll be back with a regular show two weeks from now if I can't get anything up while I'm there. Um what else do I want to say about that? Uh you know, I, I think people should check it out. Uh again, check out the newcomer stream. They should have that starting early on Monday, and the tournament will be going all the way until Saturday. Uh so yeah, that's it folks. And thanks again for hanging out with us. Thank you, Chisulo. No problem. Thank you, Ted. Anytime. And we will see you folks soon. So until then, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find.
2: My thing at the party was like, I was just asking people, I'm like, do you like orange juice with pulp or no pulp? And they're like, pulp. And if they're like, pulp, I'm like, ugh, fucking monster. I leave. I wouldn't talk to them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Surprisingly effective. That's some (laughs) some fucking pickup artist like like doing shit. (laughs) That's that's like, hey, here's my opening line. It wasn't an opening line. My friends, friends, we want you guys to settle a bet for us. It's like, come on, man. (laughs) I wasn't trying to settle bets. I was just trying to find out who are the monsters in the room and who are the good people. (laughs) I'm not trying to talk to people who chew their juice.
0: <laughs> you, you and I are going to have problems then, my friend.
1: Yeah, I
2: love pulp. Oh, my God. You're a juice chewer? Yeah. God. Okay, you're well,
3: amongst juice chewers. Good podcast. <laughs> so I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>